Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book Baby Spotlight, your home for conversations with authors, illustrators, editors, and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing. I'm your host, Sam Saddam, and joined as always by my intrepid co-host and producer, Chad Henson. Hey, Sam, how you doing? I'm all right. Today we're talking about cookbooks. So can we get some good kitchen ambiance here? You cook, Chad? Yeah, all the time. You know, I, I try to stay healthy. And so I made sure my mom equipped me with the basic, you know, chicken and rice, salmon, burgers, whatever I can find. Uh, how about you? Nice. Yeah, I love cooking. And actually, most of our staff is in the same boat. Our potlucks are really the main part of working in the office that I miss. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I never got to experience the office potluck since I started remotely. But uh, I was doing some research in preparation for this episode. And I realized these cookbooks go back a lot farther than we might think. Uh, you want to know when the earliest cookbook was? So my initial thought is going to Ben Franklin, because uh, I know he has some beer recipes that uh, Yard still makes, actually. So it's a pretty cool couple bars around the city that try to uh, you know build up that history. Uh, but I would imagine it goes back further. So what do you got? <laughs> yeah, so the oldest recipe uh, ever found was on the walls of an ancient Egypt- Egyptian tomb back in like Senate. Um, They were pretty much teaching people how to make flatbreads, which I thought was cool because I thought that was like a modern invention, but apparently it's not. Um, Then the second oldest one is like a like a beer, a Sumerian beer, which I also thought was cool because I thought it was a modern invention. So, you know, it seems like they were well before their time. It was way back. Yeah, with the beer, I think it's something to do with uh, it doesn't spoil the way water does, you know, if something gets in it. So it was always good, uh, a little bit healthier of an option. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I guess that counts as self-publishing, right? Going back, they didn't have a traditional publisher standing in the way. Yeah. <laughs> but that, uh, that segues nicely to our first interview, uh, Patience Awazi. She published with Book Baby at the end of last year. And her cookbook is Journey Through the Senses, a cultural and cuisines book of West Africa. And she talked to me about how she combines the history and cultural aspects with the recipe. A culture and cuisines book is a combination of the culture, the cuisines, and the health benefits of the uh, ingredients. I want people to know about the culture. I didn't just want to tell them about the cuisine. I wanted them to know about the people of West Africa, their lifestyle, and food is a very important component in their lifestyle. So that's why I call it the culture and the cuisine because there's a full section only on culture. And a full cookbook on the cuisines of West Africa. I did a research on so many countries in West Africa, the commonality among them. And so that's why I wrote about the cuisines of West Africa, not just one country. Yeah, one of the best parts about our job is all the passion projects that we get to work on. She literally talks about how this is much bigger than just a book. It's her legacy. It's her sharing her culture with people who want to experience it. And so it was really cool hearing her talk about her experience working with Book Baby. Well, there's a whole lot more that went into this one because I continued the research Hmm. and I wanted to give 
historians, people who study culture, students, a whole lot more, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to write another one. And so Book Baby seemed to have been really professional, easy to deal with, and they just made me feel at ease, like they're going to be there. They're going to be there to help me promote this book. And so I felt very comfortable giving this opportunity to them and vice versa. Jane Capallo was able to shed a little more light on the experience of publishing a cookbook with Book Baby. Jane's is a designer with us now in her fifth year here. And I was so grateful that she took some time out of her busy schedule to Zoom with me. So Chad, how long do you think it takes to design a cookbook? Uh, I don't know. I'd say maybe like four to six hours. Oh man, you're not even close. <laughs> so she says it can be up over 40 hours, more than a whole week she spends just working on a single cookbook. Uh, so let's go to a clip of her talking about the difference between designing a cookbook and a novel. With cookbooks, there's definitely a lot more design designing by page and by spread that goes into it than a novel because a novel has so much more body text. And, you know, we design a lot of components of novels, like the chapter titles and the headers and, you know, if there's special areas like letters. But with cookbooks, we're pretty much designing by recipe and you design all the pages with uh, like the forward and um, the contents. And there's just so much more photos. There's definitely a lot more creative rain that goes into that. So. So how long would you say it, take, it would take you to make a cookbook? Probably a week or so, sometimes a little bit more. It depends on the length. When, you, when you're starting, uh, the client has to provide a design survey uh, you know, once they've purchased design. So what assets all are you getting? The design survey and what else? Yeah, we get the design survey, which is super helpful. We get their their manuscript, which is usually a Word document that is just, you know, contains their, all their recipes and all the text and, um, and then photos more often than not. Um, and they'll either, you know, tell us where the photos go or sometimes the photos will also be in the manuscript as well. So what, what sort of questions are on the design survey? So there's areas where they can give some specifications for the cover. They can explain what kind of design direction that they want on their cover and then also for the content. There's a few areas where they can give sample cover links, which are really helpful to give kind of a better idea of the look and feel and direction they want for their cover. And they can do this additionally for the content as well to give some links to books where they like the formatting and they like you know, the general look and feel so we can get a little bit of inspiration from those to see what they're going for. So if there was one thing that you wish an author knew before submitting their documents to us to make a cookbook, what would that be? Definitely spend time on your photos. Uh, People want to look at beautiful food. And I would say, you know, either spend a little time on maybe looking into some basic photography skills if you're going to take the photos yourself or you could hire a professional if you have that kind of money. It kind of depends. There's been instances where there's been really great photos and, you know, sometimes you get photos that are not lit that well and it's kind of hard to see what the actual recipe is and, you know, to really entice your reader and be like, oh, that looks like a great recipe. They're going to look at the photo first. So I think it's great to spend a little bit more time there if you're able to. Hey, man, it makes sense. The food needs to look appetizing. 
For sure. And I've got one more person to back up that argument. Here's Tracy Wilk of Bake It Forward talking about how she worked with a photographer. Uh, my photographer did a great job. Her name is Alex Shaitzman. And, um, you know, you don't even think about it when you're going through a cookbook, especially if you're just um, self-publishing. You're like, oh, I'll just take a photo. Um, but, you know, she had all these plates and backdrops and something as simple as like a fork can really change the way the photo tells a story. So with the full color images and beautifully laid out recipes, there's really one drawback and that's the price. You know, color ink is literally more expensive than gold per ounce. So these big hardcover <laughs> books can be quite pricey. Have you ever bought a cookbook? You know, I have. I grab recipes off the internet all the time, but should probably give some of my money to the content creators directly, huh? Yeah, at least other people are. The New York Times just posted a story about cookbook sales during the pandemic. They've been surging up like 17% from 2019. So I would imagine lots of uh, diet cookbooks, vegan, paleo, keto, and then your appliance ones full of the air fryer recipes. Yeah, and the influencer market too. You know, there's bloggers and chefs who are working across different platforms. They're promoting their book as a part of that, like Samin Nasrat of the Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. I love that show. Uh, for those with a smaller built-in audience, what can they do? Yeah. So um, when I was just looking into the targeting options for a cookbook, there's there's literally a large audience of people who I feel like would be interested in buying a cookbook. Cookbook in and of itself has like 57 million hits. Then you have cooking, the cooking channel, cooking show, food networks, um, pastries. Yeah, then you can kind of get into the specific types of cooking based on the books, whether it's baking or pastries or desserts or whatever. So, yeah. If it's a good time to make a cookbook right now. And not only that, uh, but I'd suggest targeting based on income. If you're going to be selling, you know, a $45 book, uh, unless uh, you have a cookbook that's intended for thriftiness, which uh, you would think would be a black and white uh, printed book. Uh, but, you know, I'd say really go for an upper middle class audience. Yeah, man. Facebook strikes again with their wealth of information. They actually have opportunities to target high income homes by uh like the top percentages of zip codes. So if you live in like a, a very wealthy neighborhood, they know that somehow, some way, I'm not sure, but it's neat. And that being said, it's not a paperback where you read it once and pick it up a few years later, maybe lend it to a friend and never see it again. You know, it's a book you can refer to for years. And in this particular case with Tracy Wilk, the cost is really less concerning. Why for this book? Well, I'll let Tracy tell the story of hashtag big it forward. But it really did not start as a cookbook. It started just um, in March 2020. I kind of found myself furloughed like many other people, especially in hospitality. Um, I live in New York City and I just kept hearing sirens go by. And for me, when I'm bored or when I want to do something nice, I bake cookies. That's kind of like my love language. And I posted in Facebook to a local New York City group. I was like, Hey, I'm a chef. It's weird. Let me know. But like, I want to bake some cookies and drop them off at the hospital. Would you guys accept them as a way of saying thank you? Um, and a nurse was like, yeah, I'd love that. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of just ballooned from there. And I put it on my Instagram and I said, hashtag bake it forward, um, posted the recipe and people all around the nation joined me. It was awesome. So I understand you were featured on Good Morning America. How did that come about? I, I'd imagine that most of our authors uh, would appreciate a national show talking about their book. Yes, that was so cool. Um, 
I reached out in the beginning of hashtag make it forward just to kind of spread the word um, and kind of just, I really wanted to motivate other people around the nation to join me because it's something that everyone can do. Even if you're not able to make cookies, which I do realize that baking is a privilege and I'm happy to have the ability to do it. Um, everyone can write a thank you card. Everyone can just say, good morning. Thanks for what you're doing. And that to me is really the spirit of this whole movement. So I emailed a bunch of outlets and strangely enough, good morning, America wrote back. Um, and that was really, really cool and helped me receive a lot more donations, which also helped me fund the cookbook, which was great. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about the fun thing, you know? Um, but it's, it's been really great. I was able to make really large donations um, to City Harvest in particular for this. And a portion of all the proceeds of the book, I plan to also donate to City Harvest. Because once again, yes, I love cookies, but obviously there's people out there that actually just need food to survive. Sounds like a great cause. Yeah, absolutely. And we encourage all of our listeners to donate to City Harvest in New York or also Phil Abundance here in Philly. Uh, you can also follow Tracy Wilk on Instagram at Chef Tracy Wilk. Uh, Patience Awazi is at High Society Events One, and their books can also be purchased along with thousands of others, uh, independent authors over at store.bookbaby.com. And if you want Jane Kapala or one of our other wonderful designers to make you a cookbook, give us a call. Book Baby can be reached at 877-961-6878, info at bookbaby.com. So thank you to all of our guests, Patience, Tracy, Jane, and of course, thank you, Chad. Another episode in the books. Be inspired to get cooking? I already preheated my oven. <laughs> all right, nice. Enjoy. We'll be back next month with the Book Baby Spotlight. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>